Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. And back on the show, I'm so thrilled to be joined by somebody who has had a ton of blessings going his way in his life. Somebody who works incredibly hard, who's worked incredibly hard for a long time and deserves the opportunities that have certainly come his way. He's been back and forth scouting overseas. He's back domestically right now for a little bit, but he'll be going back over to continue traveling and, and scouting. Now a member of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, Mr. Raphael Barlow. Raphael, how you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I love talking basketball with you guys. I think the first time I came on your show, I think I was in L.A. At, at, a, at a hotel, and it was probably almost <laughs> a year ago around this time. So time goes by fast. It was, and then we had you on preseason to talk about a few international prospects to, to give my audience a, a preview of what that landscape was going to look like for the 2022 draft. I was on the road when we did that podcast. I was in Vegas. That podcast was a production nightmare from my end because I didn't have great internet in my hotel room when I did it. So I, I had to work with Kevin and we had to, to, to work some miracles to get that podcast out. But we knew we had to do it because you gave, you gave Tyler and I such great content at the time. Um, and you gave us a little bit of an announcement that you were going to be doing the, this massive overseas traveling schedule on that podcast. And because yeah. we couldn't get it out in time before you were able to do the announcement, we had the big scoop. But we couldn't get it out before you announced it yourself. I was bummed. I'm like, damn, we really had that one that time. But it just just goes to show you the the, the joys of producing a podcast and production overall. But those oh, I, those things happen. And I, I know all about it. I got two after produce <laughs> every week, and luckily I haven't had any issues on on my end, thankfully, but, you know, I, I better knock on wood because things can change any minute, especially if I'm going to be on the road. They sure can. So we, we have just a quick list of prospects who we want to hit on, kind of get a little international prospect check-in for this episode. But I do want to ask you, before we even talk about any of those guys, Raphael, tell me, just tell me a little bit about your travels and, and where you've been over the last few months and, and what your journey has been like actually scouting on the road, doing a lot of the content that you're doing. Man, I love it. It's, it's been great. So I started off in Paris. I got married in Paris and um, just a quick wedding on the Eiffel tower. I know when I say I got married, j j just a quick wedding on the Eiffel tower. No, no, well, no big it, deal to anybody in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I know it sounds really, really glamorous, but it was free. Like, you don't have to pay to do a wedding in front of the Eiffel Tower. We got up about 6 o'clock in the morning. You got to get up super early before the crowd comes, and it was freezing cold, and we froze our butts off, and we just, you know, got the great pictures and, and all of that. So it looked a lot more glamorous than, than what it was. And, and um, so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like an expensive wedding. It was probably... Like I said, the Eiffel Tower is free. It didn't cost any money. Just pay for a hotel. And and then after that, that same day, uh, there was the Asvel game in, in France. Asvel is a team in, in, in France, and they played uh, Paris Basket. So I got a chance to watch Victor Wimbenyama and Ishmael Kamagata, who we'll talk about later, play on my wedding day. So shout out to my wife, who was 
you know, a team play. We went to a basketball game on the day we got married. So I uh, started off there. Then I went to Barcelona. The plan was to spend a month in a different country and just trying to navigate it and, and be as cheap as possible. So we stayed in Barcelona for about six weeks. And from there, I was able to catch a lot of Barcelona games, uh, the, the senior club. So I got a chance to watch Jokabaitis play. Rokas Jokabaitis, the Knicks draft and stash guy. Got a chance to watch him play about four or five times. Then I went to a couple um, Barcelona second division games. And then COVID just kind of like started spiking up yeah. and then games started getting canceled. And I decided, okay, well, I wanted to save some money since I wasn't going to any games. It was just no point of being in Barcelona because Barcelona is a little, it can be a little pricey. And then um, just part of like my travels, um, you know, just like looking for Airbnbs and I just made a a mistake and I looked at this Airbnb and it looked nice and it, it fit the price that I was looking for. And what I did not realize is that, well, I didn't realize it until I got there was that it did not have any windows. So oh it felt like being in a dungeon. And I mean, there, there was a window in the picture. So I guess the best way to describe it was it was an apartment, but it was one of those apartments where you open like one door, the main door, and then the other apartments are inside that main door. So it wasn't like one of those apartments where you open the front door and you're outside. And so the window that was in the picture opened up into like a hallway where that one door was at. So then it had like a back patio, but that opened up into a building that I felt like I could just reach out and touch. <laughs> so oh my there was no natural light in there. It just felt like being in the dungeon. So I was kind of glad to get out of there and it was a lot more expensive than I would have paid to stay in the dungeon. And then from there, uh, we went to bar uh, sorry we went to athens because greece is a whole lot cheaper and then with with greece you know panathinaikos and olympiakos those are two teams and i mean there's a bunch of teams within the city i found out that uh well we found out in barcelona that that she was pregnant and then um she decided that it, it just made a lot more sense for her to come back home and, and have one doctor instead of just you know going to a different all the time and then traveling to you know like barcelona again so my wife ended up heading back to the states and so from now on i'll probably spend a week back here in the states to go to doctor's appointments so i'm going to be crisscrossing a lot but uh you know it's worth it. it's my first child it's her first child so i want to make all the appointments so that's pretty much been it. I mean, like I, I haven't watched a lot of games. Uh, I haven't watched as many games as I hope to watch because the first Adidas Next Generation tournament, which is a big tournament for scouting, that was canceled because of COVID. Then you had the games at the end of December that were canceled. Then in Greece, they're only allowing like 10% capacity. So... I haven't watched as many games as I would have liked to, but everything looked like it's going to pick back up. So I'm leaving out in a couple of days and headed to Serbia. And hopefully, I can uh, you know get a lot of content there. Absolutely, I'm I'm excited to continue following your journey, Raphael. You've also done a great job of documenting some of that journey on your podcast feed. And in case my audience wouldn't know, Raphael does do two episodes a week over on the Lockdown NBA Draft podcast and. and 
his episodes are absolutely must listens. But now it's not just those episodes. Now you're you're doing guest spots with Chad. You're writing on NBABigBoard.com. So I mean, we're able to access your content a lot more frequently. I guess that's a word we could definitely use than, than, than previously. So I'm excited to keep reading everything you're doing with Chad, listening to more of your episodes, as well as keeping up with um, stuff that you continue to put out content-wise for NBA Draft Junkies as well. So without further ado, I want to jump into talking about some of these guys. I, I'm I'm a little more excited to talk about two of the names that we have on the list specifically in Kamigate, who you mentioned, as well as Gabrielle Prochita. Um, I guess we'll start. We'll just start with Jovic. We'll, we'll, we'll get him out of the way considering. And, and, and I use the words get him out of the way because I have talked about him on multiple podcasts, including one with you. Um, he's really the one prospect who we've seen in, in many circles kind of remain in that top 20, top 25 range in the 2022 draft. So this year playing for mega, he's at, he's played 27.2 minutes per game, 10.4 points per game, 4.1 rebounds, 3.2 assists. The shooting percentages haven't been the greatest. He's shooting slightly under 40% from the field, 32.9% from three, 77.3% from the line. The free throw percentage is okay. But for my audience, keep in mind, even though he's only shooting 32.9% from three, He's also taking 4.6 three-point attempts per game. So he's almost taking five per game. Um, so being able to convert at that percentage on that volume is actually pretty good, especially when you factor in he does have an above 75 free throw percentage um, coming out to an 11.8 PER and a 52.4 true shooting percentage. Look, the 6.10 forwards with his combination of pull-up scoring versatility, playmaking out of pick-and-roll sets, as well as just the competitiveness that he plays with on a night-to-night basis, the motor. There, there aren't as many players as we would like to think available in certain drafts with his particular skill set. Now we might be we, we might be um, living on a, a spoil of riches a little bit with this draft class because it seems like every big time name that we bring up for twenty twenty two is like the six eight to six ten forward. So maybe that's a little bit of a reason why his name hasn't kept circulating in like lottery conversations on top of him being a player who you have to have access to the certain film to really get a good grasp for him because he plays overseas, but I'm still buying into his game. He's dropped down my board a little bit. He's in like that 19 to 20 range right now for me. I'd previously been holding on to him as a lottery pick, but there are a number of domestic prospects who have really intrigued my interest um, in, in terms of overall long-term potential, but Jovic is still there as a really intriguing piece to me, who I still think has a good chance of being a long-term starter for an NBA team. Where where are you kind of at right now, Rafael? What's kind of your temperature check on on somebody like Jovic? Um, I think he's a, a mid-first round. I mean, I've done so many mocks. I feel like in the last week I did one, and then um, the trade deadline happened. I had to do another, and I've had him. Um, in the range between 12 and 16, I know in one mock, I think I had him going to Atlanta in the lottery. In another mock, I had him going to Houston at 16. But I think those picks end up switching. But, I mean, I like him a lot. I like the fact that he's a, a versatile ball mover. At, I mean, at 6'10", the guy that can dribble, shoot, and pass. I mean, those guys are rare, even though some may say with well, the percentages say that he, he can't shoot. 
But I, I'm not worried about that. I mean, I think that he's a, a capable shooter. And I just think that at the minimum, he should be a connective tissue, a guy that brings some versatility and knows how to play. But what I really like most about his game is that he has the team aspect down of how to play in the team, but he does have a little bit of, I'll take you one-on-one. I'll, you know, I'll post you up. He does have a little bit of selfishness to him that I actually kind of like because if there's like a mismatch, then he'll exploit it. And I feel like sometimes some European prospects are so robotic in a sense because it's been drilled into their head, team, 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 that um, you don't really see them as guys that you can give the ball to at the end of the shot clock and get a bucket. Not saying that that will be his role in the NBA, but I think he is someone that you can give the ball to and expect for him to give you a bucket or if it's not a basket, draw a foul or create an open look for another another teammate. So I really like Jovic. Yeah, you, you had him on your most recent mock draft. I'm actually looking at it right now. You did have him going 16th. So that that's, I feel like, is a pretty good range for him, that, that mid-first round. I don't know how much more we necessarily have to pick apart and, and dissect his game. I think that given the fact that we've done that, both of us have on, on multiple mediums, I, I think we can pretty much leave the conversation there on Jovic. Just wanted to give him a quick mention because he is the guy who's continued to remain the highest on scouts' radars. However, one of the guys, one of the two guys I am excited to talk about with you, Raphael, is somebody who I brought up on some of my previous podcasts, both in my latest big board update as well as um, the comparisons pod I just did with Stephen Gillespie from Draft Capital. Ishmael Kamagate, you actually mocked him going 18th on, on your most recent mock draft. And that stands out to me. But at the same time, I can understand why you're going there. Um, and it's funny, you actually had Walker Kessler mocked really high to 14. And I think that you, you were the first person who I saw who actually mocked Walker Kessler in the lottery. And then all of a sudden, especially after some of his more recent performances for Auburn, it started to become a national trend. Like now all of a sudden, everybody's kind of putting him up in that lottery to, to mid first round range. So I'll, I'll give you the credit for being one of the first, if not the first to put him that high. But once, once you dig past the bigs after Kessler, because I would agree with you that at least in my opinion, I think if I'm going to be drafting one of these bigs in the first round, I think Kessler would be the, the first one that I would want to take. And I've kind of been on that train for the last month or two, but after him, you get into this group where you have the, the two main domestic guys, which would be Mark Williams at Duke and, and Christian Coloco at Arizona. And then the next guy that kind of comes into the picture is, is Kamagate. And Raphael, I got to be honest, I, I flip on some of the tape and I watch this guy. I was saying this with Steven. I go, holy cow, look at this guy. Like he's 6'11", 220 pounds, in about just under 25 minutes per game. He's averaging 10.9 points. 5.6 rebounds, shooting 66% from the field, 1.4 blocks per game, a 20.2 PER, and a 69.2 true shooting percentage. And sure, you can find plenty of highlight clips where he's essentially a play finisher for the team. But then you find some of these other clips where he's like getting himself in the mid-range shots. 
he's working off of a few dribbles then backing somebody down and getting a clean look at the post. Like there is some offensive creativity to his game. And that's not even including some of the passing flashes that you see from him um, on the block. Some of the creative passes that he's able to throw out either um, dish out to the corner or if somebody else is cutting along the baseline, he can even hit a cutter. Um, somebody else is going to the basket. Like he, he is, he's a, a more inventive offensive player than I think, the majority would give him credit for unless they've actually watched him enough. And then defensively, I mean, we know the guy has, he, he's a freaking pogo stick. Like that dude has rockets in his calves. He gets up off the ground and, and he will deny almost anything that comes by the rim. I mean, I think he's had multiple games. I saw highlights from where he has like nine blocks in some of these games, not just in like, not, not just like one nine block game, like multiple nine block games. And you start to put all this together and compare him to somebody like Mark Williams, who I haven't been overly thrilled with at Duke. I, I understand he has he has some of the great highlights out of other big men in this draft class. But there are other times where I walk away and I, I don't feel as impressed as when I flip on some clips or some highlights or even a full game or two of Kamigate. And I'm just like, I really bring in the question, I said this to Steven, who really has the more upside? between these two guys and like why isn't Kamigate being talked about more as arguably the second best big in this draft class so you met him Raphael you talked to him in person you interviewed him and you watched him so I want all of your Kamigate thoughts I want to know why you mocked him where you did and 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 how he's really impressed you well first of all I think he's trending in the right direction so when I met him about a month ago Great kid, number one. I mean, it was so easy to interview him and, and film him work out. It wasn't like I had to go through a bunch of people. And that's one of the things. And I, I don't want to say this as a knock on the American kids, but I think because <laughs> American kids are used to seeing themselves on YouTube. You know, if you're a top 100 recruit, you probably have 100 videos on YouTube. You've been praised since you were in eighth grade. And the exposure in Europe just isn't there. So coming as an American and you're saying, hey, you know what? I run a draft website. I'm interested in you know, creating some content on you. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, okay, let's, let's do it right now. So that's how I ended up connecting with him. And I watched him practice. But the first time I saw him play live was actually the, the day that I got married. And he went up against Wimbayama. And everybody loves Wimbayama. He... It's arguably, I mean, it's, it's weird that I'm even saying arguably because for a lot of people thought it was a no-brainer, but Scoot Henderson has kind of put himself in the mix. But everybody, yeah. you know, kind of assumes that Wimbayama will be the first pick in the 2023 NBA draft. We've heard about him being the best NBA prospect to enter since, you know, whoever it is, you know, they kind of changes every year. And Kamagate absolutely kicked Wimbayama's butt. I mean, he was just too physical too active and got Victor in foul trouble. I want to say he picked up two fouls in maybe like the first eight minutes of the game, maybe even less time than that. And just how active he is. And right now, you know, like if you watch his film, like you say, you have to like really, really watch his film. You're going to see the dunks. You're going to see him sprint the floor. You're going to see him, you know, get baskets cutting and just kind of being at the dunker spot. But there are some flashes of, shooting ability, yep. passing, a little bit of ball handling. And when I went to watch him work out, it was it was almost like 
him and the team trainer like gave me my own version of a NBA pre-draft workout. I mean, they showed the ball handling, they showed the drills that they've been working on. And if you've watched the video, it's on my YouTube channel, you can just kind of type Ishmael Kamagata or scroll down, you can see it. There was not a lot of editing. It wasn't like, how can I say this? I'm a, I'm a videographer, so I know how to make the worst player look good. I mean, I've made money for years charging parents of kids that can't really play basketball <laughs> money to make the mixtapes where I just, you know, if they made 20 out of 500 shots, I made sure I put all 20 on the video. <laughs> I knew how to make replays. I knew how to just, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I need this. I need this money. But in this case, it wasn't like I did that. It was a lot of shots in a row. So if you look at the video, you'll see there was a lot of jump shots that he made in the row. Yep. Um, it didn't. It wasn't a lot of editing. I mean, of course, I had to make it cinematic in a sense, but a lot of it was just him knocking down jumper after jumper after jumper. The ball handling was good, and he likes Bam. He thinks that he could be a a Bam out of bio type player where he could make plays for others. And you know, it's kind of tough to say. Like, I don't know if you got that because Bam didn't show that he was bam when he was at kentucky exactly you know? and uh so I'm, I'm high on him i think at the very minimum he's an energy guy and someone that will finish around the basket one of the things that i really like about him is that there's a hunger to him and that's because he he's not been highly regarded and when i i talked to him and i we just uh, kind of shooting the breeze. And then I, I asked him, was he on the French team at the, the under 18 team in 2019? And he said, yeah. And I was like, man, I honestly don't remember you. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I went to that, that particular tournament. And in this that tournament, Alperen Shingun played. Uh, Usman Garuba was the MVP. Um, Sandy Aldama, the, the guy that the Grizz yep. drafted. Those three guys were in that tournament. Uh, let me think who else. Oh, um, Pokashevsky played in that tournament. Franz Wagner was in that tournament. So there were some pretty good players in that tournament. And France has always been loaded with talent. I mean, they have a few guys. Strazo was on that team. Math, um, Malcolm Cazalon, who is on some draft boards. All those guys were on that team. Kamagate was not like the guy on that team. And so for him to be mentioned as a first round pick is just a, a testament to the work that he's put in. And, and I think he's trending upward. And so I've had him above Mark Williams and Coloco all season long. And maybe I'm a little biased because I've seen him play twice and I've seen him outplay Wimbayama. But I just think that he has or upside and i think that he can do a lot of the things that they can do but there's some things that he can do that i don't believe they can or they haven't shown me so that's why i'm, I'm higher on him no i mean i can i i've watched enough mark williams and christian coloco to know that they are not they, they are not the type of pull-up jump shooting threats inside the arc that this kid is and it's funny, you're, so you, you referenced that video that you have up on YouTube. If anybody has not taken like the 18 to 20 minutes out of their day to watch that interview and that workout video that Rafael did on Kamigate and you love the draft, 
highly, highly recommend watching that video. I promise you, you will have a lot of fun seeing a little bit of behind the scenes look with this kid because when I watched the video, obviously you, you mentioned that he's a great kid. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a good quote, good interview. Um, I, I believe that he's a great kid just from watching that interview. Um, but you, you watch him in that workout, Raphael. Yeah, you talked about the shooting stroke. He, he has a pretty consistent-looking stroke um, for, for somebody who, again, has shown some of that pull-up creativity in, in, in flashes. It's not, it's not like he's, he's taking like four to five pull-up jumpers every single game, but you'll see him take like one or two of them in a game and you go, why isn't this a much more regular part of this game? And then the other thing that stands out is I think he has really repetitive shooting mechanics, but they don't really let him take threes within the game. I don't know if it's whether they just don't, they don't want him shooting deep within games, or maybe that's just not in his realm yet in terms of like, I'm comfortable stepping out and, and shooting two or three, three pointers per game. He just, he, I, I haven't seen him take one on film in game, but when you just look at how he can shoot the ball and his mechanics and how they are very repetitive, um, the the six eleven size with the seven four wingspan, he's he says he really likes Bam. Do you think that he's closer to like a Bam, or do you think that he's more like a like a Serge Ibaka type of player? Because e- e- even if you tell me that he's closer to like a Serge Ibaka type of player, which would be if I had to throw out a comp for him after seeing him a little bit, that would be my comp. I think a lot of NBA teams would be incredibly thrilled if they knew they were getting like a Serge Ibaka type of player to draft him a lot higher than, than he's been mocked. Uh, certainly a lot closer to where you mocked him. Yeah, I don't think that he is the rim protector as, as Serge. I mean, Serge was a incredible, incredible rim protector. Now, Kamagate is a, a, a good uh, rim protector, but... You know, if the NBA didn't change on Serge, I mean, we're talking about a guy who probably would be near the top in career blocks. I mean, I'm sure he is now, but even higher. It's just, you know, the NBA kind of changed where mm-hmm. he had to um, – he's not sitting in the paint the the whole possession. But, um, yeah, I mean, Serge developed into a, a pretty reliable shooter over time, and Serge has had a, a great career. If he ends up being Serge, then that's great. I'm not sure why. Well – I mean, I think NBA teams, their big boards and mock drafts are always going to look a little bit different than yep. than the mock drafts that, that you see. I, you know, quite frankly, it's because a lot of the guys that are doing the mocks haven't been able to watch guys in person. And the two games that I've been to, there's been quite a few NBA scouts at, at the games. So, I mean, their, their boards may be a little bit different. And then Kamagathe is also a guy that people just weren't, really familiar with coming into this particular draft class. I mean, he's kind of a late bloomer, and um, I think that plays a role. But as far as the, your question, if he can be in between Bam, and I mean, he mentioned Clint Capella is someone that, that yep. um, he compares himself to. Uh, there are some similarities there in a sense because his agent also repped Capella at the same time. Um, Buna Njai, who also represents Rudy Gobert and – and Nick Batum, oh, he he does have track record of finding centers and and developing them. So, I mean, yeah, I think he can be somewhere in between. But again, it's actually funny because I was in Miami this summer. I was at this gym. I'm sure you've seen the gym all over social media where Michael Beasley and John Wall have been playing <laughs> yeah. basketball at. 
and I, I was there and uh, Bam was there one morning right before he left for the Olympics. And so I was like, I got to ask him this question. Like, I'm a Blazers fan. And, you know, my Blazers selected Zach Collins over Bam Adebayo, which is a franchise-altering mistake. And I was asking Bam, like, did you have this ball handling in this point center in your game? Or was it something that you developed in the NBA? He had mentioned that if you look at like his high school tape, that it was there. But going to Kentucky, you know that you have to sacrifice something in order, you know, just that's just what comes with going to Kentucky. And that he ended up sacrificing that aspect of his game. Yes, it cost him money in the draft, but, you know, he's definitely made up for it. And so. Uh, maybe Hamagate is in the same situation in a sense because, you know, maybe he has a lot more to his game than he has been able to show. Maybe he's just sacrificing for the good of the team because I, I know Paris Basket, their their goal is to get into, like, the Euro Cup and then eventually get into the Euro League. Mm-hmm. Then even in Europe, there's not a lot of developmental minutes anyway because every game counts. I mean, it's not like... It's not like NBA, right? Where, you know, there's a guy that you have a long-term interest in and you can give him some minutes to develop. In Europe, there's no there's, there's no reward for losing. Losing gets you demoted. So, um, <laughs> you know, there's no lottery picks. You don't, there's no draft. If you lose, you can get demoted to a lower division or lose sponsorship. So I think that that's another reason why that sometimes a, a player in Europe may not get minutes period because they don't want to give them developmental minutes and they definitely won't really give you shots unless you've proven that you can really 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 make those shots so um again i kind of went on the tangent there but there there probably is more to his game than he's been able to show first off you i'm glad that you do because whenever you come on this show you always have great stories to tell so I'm glad when you go off on some of those tangents because it's actually really interesting to hear about some of the conversations and, and, and some of the places you've been at. So I enjoy hearing that stuff. The second thing I'll say is don't beat yourself up about Zach Collins, my friend. When that draft came around, I was I was beating the drum for him to be like a top five, top six prospect in that draft class. I, I really think injuries robbed him of a spectacular career in, in the NBA. I really think he could have been um, an, an excellent force for, for Portland for, for many years. I mean, when he was able to play for that team, he certainly had some times where he made differences on, on both ends of the floor. So don't, don't beat yourself up too hard about that one, my friend, because I would have been right there with you rooting for, rooting for Mr. Collins. But let's, let's move on to another prospect who I, I really, again, same with Kamigate. I only started watching him. Um, a, a few weeks ago, Mr. Prochita, I only started digging into the tape on him a little bit this weekend. And then today I was also playing some catch up as well before we're doing this podcast. Um, now for our no ceilings family, Tyler Metcalf actually wrote about Gabrielle on, on Friday. So if you have not read that piece yet over at no ceilings, I highly encourage you to do so because he did an excellent video breakdown style deep dive on his scoring versatility. And that really is the selling point for him. He's, he's a 6'6 guard 
um, playing 18.1 minutes per game over in the Italian league, shooting six, uh, scoring 6.9 points per game, 2.9 rebounds, shooting almost 51% from the field, 42.5% from three-point range, and 80.6% from the free throw line, a 16.6 PER and a 66.8 true shooting percentage. Those shooting marks in particular, when I looked at the stats, when I was trying to not only just do some prep for this podcast and pull some numbers, but also when I was trying to dig through some things, Raphael, those, those percentages really stood out to me. Um, it's not always about the volume. It's not always about how many attempts you can get up per game. As you just so brilliantly outlined a few minutes ago, these leagues over in Europe and, and, and other countries and other parts of the world, they are tough because, as you said, there, there's no incentive to losing. There, there's not a lot of developmental time for prospects. So when a prospect does put up big numbers, that's absolutely a reason to pay attention. Or when they're efficient in certain areas and you see those efficiencies bear themselves out on the tape, that's another reason to pay attention. So Prachita is somebody who I did not rank on my latest big board. I did not rank him and I did not rank a few other international prospects, mainly because I just hadn't done the homework on them. So I didn't want to misrank them. But now that I've gotten to looking at him, Raphael, holy, holy shit, this kid, this kid is something else. Um, and, and I don't know if you're going to add fuel to the fire when, when you talk about him in a little bit or you're going you're gonna to try to calm me down a little bit. But I was talking with some of the other guys uh, on the team, and I'm just sitting here. I'm watching him shoot the basketball. I'm watching how he scores in multiple different ways. I'm watching how athletic he is, which is something that you actually pointed out um, on one of your previous film breakdowns on him that you did before the season. I'm looking at this total offensive package, man, and, and I'm going, other than maybe like some of the different passes or, or passing that Bogdan Bogdanovich is capable of doing, like from a scoring and a shooting perspective, what doesn't this kid have that Bogdan has? And, and I couldn't come up with a reasonable answer to that question. I think I think this kid has the goods. He has the juice. I think that at this point, it's it's been criminal by somebody like me to not have mentioned his name up to this point as somebody who, forget just being drafted, I think this guy has a chance to crack the first round conversation. And I know Metcalf actually had him at 27 on his most recent big board update that he submitted for us to do the composite for. Um, talk to me about him, Raphael. A am I being overly optimistic about where I feel he should be drafted? Um, are you going to come and add fuel to the fire a little bit? What are some of your thoughts on, on him during the evaluation process? Um, I, now, talk about a story. I have a, a story for you. And if you've listened to yes. my podcast, I may, have, I may have mentioned it there. So maybe about three weeks ago, I, I took a trip to Italy, and I wanted to watch uh, Matteo Spaniolo play, and then I wanted to see Prashida. So I stayed with a friend of mine. Shout out to Epe Udo, who's um, playing in Bologna. He, he's injured right now, but he, he's on the, the team in, in Bologna. And so, um, and there's two teams in Bologna, Italy. So I go to the game and I filmed it and I created this content for Spaniolo. Spaniolo had like, it was like the perfect situation for me creating this video. He had a good game and so on. So the next day I see that Prashida's team is playing in Milan. And uh, even though his team is also in Bologna, 
but they were playing in Milan. So I took like the hour and a half train ride, yada, 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 take the train, get to the arena. And um, because in America, we don't need a, we don't have like this QR code. Like for example, in Europe, in order to get in most establishments, you have to show this QR code that proves that you've been double vaccinated. So, you know, in okay. America, we just walk in anywhere we want to. Map <laughs> or optional. It's just totally different over here. So Italy is one of the countries that is pretty strict. I go to the game, and when I get there, they won't let me in, even though I have a pass, because I'm showing them, like, the vaccine, vaccine card that we have, and they can't scan it. A long story short, they had to go get somebody who spoke English and understood that in America we don't have this QR code. I think they said America, United States, Canada, Japan are like the only countries that we don't have like this QR code. So anyway, by the time I get in the game, I remember I took like an hour and a half train ride and I think I took the wrong exit when I got on the train in the city so I ended up having to pay for Uber I'm out of some money on, on this particular trip I get to the game at halftime maybe like a minute before halftime and the thing about games in Europe is they go by fast because one the game is shorter but they don't have all the commercial breaks and TV timeouts that we have in the states you know like go to NBA game if you get there 30 minutes late it's still the first quarter no yeah. Europe <laughs> if the game starts at 7 and you get there at 7 30 it is literally halftime so I, I miss like the whole first half I think he had 12 points in the first half and then I was just trying to duplicate the video that I did for Spaniolo where I filmed on the baseline and just filmed Spaniolo the entire game and it uh, the media at Milan said I could film, but I could only take pictures, still pictures. Okay. Now I'm just kind of like, dang, you know what? I'm not getting what I hope to get. And so I'm just kind of like, well, I kind of wasted my money. I, I did get a chance to see him play, and I think he scored like two points in the second half, and he only attempted one shot. It's like his teammates froze him out. So not only did I get there late, <laughs> I missed 12 points. And the only points he scored was a free throw. So, oh but I'm like, God. you know what? This, this is part of scouting. You know I mean? If you want to scout, there may be a guy you, you go see, and he may score two points. Or that's right. Uh, he may be a late scratch. So this is just all part of it. Well, the next day, I'm, I'm, I go back to Bologna. And in order to travel within Europe, you have to have a COVID test within 24 hours of, before you get on the plane. So I go to take my COVID test, and um, so then the lady says, all right, well, we'll have your results in 15 minutes. So I, I stand outside, and I'm calling my mom, just checking in, letting her know where I'm, where I'm at, and, and I'm going back to Athens in the morning, and I see Sheeta walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell my mom, hold on for a second. I, I, I go... And I, I introduced myself. I said, hi, I'm Rafael Barlow. I, I run NBA Draft Junkies. I, I'm here in Italy. And I, I was at the game yesterday. And he's like, oh, yeah, you was at the game in Milan? I said, yeah. And so I was like, I'm like literally like trying to pull out my phone and show him that I've made a video on him. And he says, I know your voice. <laughs> oh, my God. He says, I know, I know your voice. And I've seen the video. So we end up exchanging numbers. 
And when I head back to Italy, I'm supposed to do like an interview. Hopefully I can duplicate the same thing I did with Spaniolo and Kamagate. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But that was long-winded, but <laughs> he is someone that I, I did a video on him prior to the season. And I mean, he is, man, I, I'd have to say he's the most athletic wing in the international draft class. Maybe, I, I still think he's a lot more explosive than um, Ushman Jang, but I mean, he is an NBA level athlete and a very, yeah. very confident shooter. I, I forgot what the numbers were, but I know at one point it was like he was getting up three threes per game in like 12 or 13 minutes. So he does let it fly. But when I did have a chance to watch him at the game, I mean, I'm sitting there on, on the baseline and I'm literally just following him with my eyes the, the whole play. And I saw a guy that knows how to move without the basketball when the point guard penetrates. He understands spacing and um, just didn't get a chance to show everything that he could do. But if there was a, a way to be impressed with a guy that only got one shot and a half, he did it because I thought that he showed that, you know, he can defend because of his athleticism. He can defend multiple positions and he plays hard. And part of scouting is not just watching film. I think one of the things you can see when you're live is you can see how hard a guy plays when things aren't going his way. Yeah. You know, if he's like not getting the ball, is his shoulders sulking? Is he not making the same effort? And one of the things I saw with him was he ran the floor every time and he still played the same way from the start of the third quarter to the end of the fourth when he Probably only touched the ball a couple of times. And that was one of the things that I was really impressed with. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I like him a lot. Um, hopefully I get a chance to watch him play again. I think he's someone that is really, really being slept on in his draft class. I love that story. I, I, I understand why bringing up his name is, is, is a little bit of a, a pressure point for you in some ways, just given the whole situation that happened. But I, I am rooting so hard for you to get that interview because I want to see you talk to him. I, I want to actually get to know him a little bit. That's like the first step for me with a prospect is like falling in love with, with a certain part or, or multiple portions of their game to the point where I do think that they're a legitimate NBA prospect. And then the next part is trying to pick up on some of those little things that you talked about or trying to find some kind of interview or, or find some way to get some intel on like who he is as a person and, and how he acts on the court, off the court, around teammates, around coaches, the whole nine yards. And my audience out there, this is, this is why I love talking to Raphael. Cause th this dude gets it. Like if this wasn't great cross promotion for a previous podcast episode I did with Tyler Rucker when he wrote about a, a lot of his important points regarding building your own scouting process. And, and a big part of it was getting the intel and going to see these players in person to pick up on the little things that you aren't always able to see on film. And, and Raphael just broke that down and, and did that with, with Prashida. So that, that was an excellent job um, on his part. I, I'm, I'm talking to a pro. I love having Raphael on the show. He's awesome. Um, but I would agree with you. I think he's being slept on a ton. And again, I know he's not, he's not putting up 
eye-popping numbers in, in, in the Italian league. One, one thing I wanted to uh, ask you about, Raphael, I, I know Zippo about the Italian leagues, and you know more about the level of competition that these players are, are playing at. Like, when I'm flipping on the film and I'm seeing him whip out these athletic plays, these, these awesome two-foot leaps, uh, I even see some, some occasional tomahawk dunk clips from, from him, like, when I flip on the film, what's the level of competition that, that he's playing in right now? Like, how, how should I weigh that into his evaluation? Well, the Italian league is probably one of the better domestic leagues. I'd say the most respected are Spain, Greece, Turkey, and Italy. Probably in, probably in the order of Spain, Turkey, I mean, there are some pretty good players. I mean, you got the team in Milan that has former NBA players. I mean, you got guys like Troy Daniels is playing. And Prashida was guarding Troy Daniels when the the game that I was at. Um, you know, like the thing about Europe is is a lot of the leagues and, and teams are top heavy because all the money mm-hmm. is, is on some of the best teams and they go and, and kind of steal the best players. I mean, it is a respected league. He is playing in the top division. Yeah, he's playing in the A division, correct? Yes. Yep, yep. he's playing in, I think in over there it's called A1. He's playing in the top division. And again, like I mentioned that, you know, teams don't really throw young players out there unless they've earned the minutes and unless the, the coach believes that this particular player can help them win. And so, I mean, that's one of the things that you always have to look out for. Like, for example, we loved Pokashevsky two years ago, but he <laughs> did not play. Like, there was zero film on him because the, the, the folks at Olympiacos did not think that he could help them win. And just think how weird it is that he can't help Olympiacos win, but he gets drafted, and then he's playing NBA minutes. That's just... You know, one of those things that as I get deeper into this whole draft world, it still kind of baffles me how, how that can happen. Um, but no, the Italian league is, is, is definitely respected. So the last prospect that I had on a list to talk about specifically is somebody who you, you are, you did actively create content about, Matteo Spagnolo, um, also playing in the Italian league, 25.7 minutes per game, 12.1 points per game. rebounds, 2.6 assists, 49.7% from the field, 45% from three-point range, 78.9% from the free-throw line. I have not watched as much film on him as I have Jovic, Kamigate, and Prochita. I I still have to do a a pretty good deep dive on Spaniolo before I properly update his ranking, for better or worse. Um, he strikes me as somebody who I love the, the pace that he plays with from the point guard position. He's a very measured guard. Uh, while he's not, he, he doesn't pile up assists per game. He is a creative passer in different ways. And from a scoring and a shooting perspective, he's a mid-range maestro. He loves operating from those areas. That's really seems to me just watching some from what I've seen, that's really like the bread and butter of his game. And then, He's been able to shoot it from three-point range. Um, that that seems by the numbers to be a strong suit of his game, but I really feel like his best basketball is played inside the arc than outside of it. Uh, but that being said, he 
he strikes me as somebody who I feel like is is definitely a candidate for the 2022 draft. Seems like a drafted stash kind of guy to me. I don't know, especially given I I was talking with with Tyler Rucker before this. He was outlining some of his contract situation. Um, it would be difficult to engage in a buyout and actually bring him over this early on. It might be a few years before we see him in the NBA anyway, so it could be a really nice draft and stash candidate. But I I want you to either somewhat agree with me or laugh me off of this podcast when I bring this up. You're 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 the better expert than, than me. When I watch him, I get these really weird Pablo Prigioni vibes with him. And that is that is an incredibly random name to throw out about a prospect. But we didn't see Prigioni come over in the quote unquote prime of his days. He came over much later in his career came over with the Knicks, bounced around a few teams. But some of the same creativity and versatility inside the arc that we saw with Prigioni in the minutes that he plays as a backup point guard, I see a lot of the same things with Spagnolo. They're, they're, they're similar-sized players, and I see a lot of the same creativity inside the arc. So, again, you, you've, done, you've done the work on him. You've done the film work on him. Talk to me about Spaniolo, what you like, dislike, and, and am I am I completely in left field with that comp for him, or do you see some of those same similarities? It's funny. I never really thought about a comparison for him. I never really came up with one. I think I was just more so intrigued by the flash and 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 the confidence and yeah. just the, the flair that that he plays with. Um, no, I don't. I don't think you're. I don't think you're off. I mean, I guess if, if there were someone to kind of dispute it is Prigioni was like a guy that never turned the ball over. And he yeah. was a, he had a little bit of flash to his game, but he was definitely someone that, you know, took care of the ball, had a high assist to turnover ratio, was a, a good decision maker. Not saying that Spaniolo isn't, but, you know, usually when you're talking about draft picks, those aren't like the, the sexy stats that, that you're really looking for. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> this guy, you know, has a four to one assisted turnover ratio and he's an ideal backup point guard. But I mean, I like Spaniolo. The first time I watched his film was I, I, I sat back one day and I watched a was the championship for the Adidas Next Generation tournament. So it was a game between Real Madrid and uh, Barcelona. So obviously, you know, there's a, a built in rivalry from football or soccer it carries over to basketball and then spills down to the youth sports and he came off the bench i think he was coming off an injury but just the spark he provided coming off the bench i mean it's like he played at a different pace than everyone else he just brought this energy and then you know he had these like the loud lime green kobe grinches on and you could just see like <laughs> this guy exudes confidence and that's when I, I I decided to make a video on him before the season, and uh, now I mean I think he's played himself into a legitimate NBA prospect. But makes what stands out to me the what the difference between him and Prashida is that, and it could work against him. Prashida is a guy that he is a, I think he's more plug and play because he's a defender and he can knock down open shots, and he has a game that that complements. You know, a superstar, you know, your, your guy that's your max player, you can throw him on Philly or you can throw him on the Lakers. And he has a defined role as a complimentary shooter, 
guy that runs the lanes, while Spaniolo is a guy that he's at best when he has the ball in his hands, and he's best when he has the freedom to create. And just depends on if he's going to have that same opportunity in, in the NBA. But I like him a lot. I love the confidence. I love the shot-making ability. And that's one of the things you don't really hear talked about with international prospects as a guy as a shot-maker. And uh, that's, that's what he is. I mean, he's, you know, usually when someone labels you a shot-maker, that means your shot selection can be a little questionable from time to time. The game that I saw him play, I don't know if it was his best game, but he was, I mean, he was really impressive. 18 points, and the Virtus Bologna team is a team that is expected to compete for the Italian championship, expected to in the championship for the Euro Cup and play in the Euro League next season. I mean, Milos Teodosic wasn't playing, Epe wasn't playing, so they were missing a few of their, their top dogs. But he outplayed Nico Mannion. I, I thought that he looked, if you had the choose between the two, if you didn't know the names, I thought that you would have guessed that he was the better prospect of the two. So, um, you know, I'm pretty high on him. Um, the, the Real Madrid situation is interesting. I, I guess I hadn't done the research on his buyout situation. Knowing that he, he is in Real Madrid's system, yeah, he's he's alone from them, correct? That's what that's what Rucker was yeah, saying. Yeah, and the way that, what they're doing is absolutely I don't want to call it criminal, but it is absolutely a genius way to make <laughs> money. I don't know if if you know the situation like um uh Campazzo for Denver is literally playing for free because his buyout was so big. Um Usman Garuba think that his buyout is bigger than what he's making this year yes. and it, it's even crazier because you got to figure that by the time his nba salary is taxed it's going to take him at least two or three seasons to pay his buyout and so you know real madrid is signing these kids young and putting them in their system developing them loaning them out and then once the nba comes calling they put them in these situations where they have these big buyouts that bring the club money the club takes that buyout money and they can go buy a former NBA player and pay him a million dollars. It's so crazy how how this how it works over in Europe. And it's something that I did not know until like this past summer. It's wild. And I mean, you hear some of the stories even like in, in, in soccer or, or, or football, as I should say, some of some of the buyout situations that occur in, in that sport. And so it, it's absolutely ridiculous. And that, that it, it also is exactly how these teams operate in the basketball space. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's wild, but regardless, he has also piqued my interest. Do you, do you buy how good of a shooter the numbers say that he is? Cause like, I, I know again, we're, we're talking about in some aspects, some limited sample size, but like, Almost 50% from the field, 45% from the three-point range, 59.2 true shooting percentage. These marks indicate him as being like a, a really high-end shooter. And I know that you called out that you do believe in his his scoring, creativity, and versatility. Do you buy him this much as like he, he could potentially be like a plus shooter in the NBA when he comes over? Yeah. Um, he was someone that – and I'm sure you can relate. You know, like you, you create your notes on a player – and you have to go back and make rounds to make sure that your notes are accurate. Yeah. And for me, he is probably like the 
the best example of I had to change my notes because <laughs> I thought that um, I didn't think that he was a good passer. I thought that he was a, you know, a capable passer, but I didn't think he was a playmaker. And I had doubts about his shooting. And he's addressed those concerns. Yes, and he has. And I was kind of waiting on the season to, like, go on and, you know, not wait, you know, not change it in December, not change it in January. But it's unless it's just an outlier season, I, I have to say the numbers are legit. He is showing up on the scouting report for opposing teams now. It's not that he's a guy that they didn't know about and he's this, you know, of course, they, they know about him because he's Italian and he's, you know, one of the hyped players in their system. But I don't think coming into the season, he was the guy that was the guy on the scouting report. And, you know, the, the Virtues Bologna team has a coach that coaches the Spanish national team. So he's a very highly respected coach. And they, I'm sure they game plan for him, but they just could not do anything with him. And um, so, yeah, I, I'd have to say right now I'm convinced that the numbers are legit. But we have seen guys have questionable shooting strokes and then have a hot season like Jemias Ramsey. For example. <laughs> um, so it is possible. But, I mean, the, the sample size is, is, is large enough now where you have to you know, consider that he probably is a legitimate shooter. Just a few more things to, to hit on, and then, and then we'll get you out of here, Raphael. Obviously, in, in you being able to watch teams overseas and or just do a lot of the film work because the international game is a lot of your, your bread and butter um, to, to what you bring to the table as a scout. Is there anybody, it doesn't necessarily have to be for the, for the 2022 draft, but is there, is there any one name in particular overseas who you you've seen enough in person or you've seen enough tape on who doesn't really get a lot of the, the, the highlight room and in, in conversations, but you definitely feel like should be out there. Is there, is there a good sleeper name for overseas? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a kid, I haven't seen him live, but he's on my schedule and I've talked to him on Instagram, but Leonardo Okiki, he's also playing in Italy. He is in the second division. Uh, I made a video. It's kind of a bold claim. I, I labeled him as the best NBA prospect that you've never heard of. It's on my, it's on my uh, NBA Draft Junkies page, and I did a video. He's very intriguing. I've heard that he's six ten. I think when I had him listed like six eight, but he's six ten, strong frame, just excellent touch around the rim to the point where even he throws up bad shots or he kind of gets stuck without having like great post moves. He can just kind of throw it up softly and it goes in. He makes a few plays that kind of wow you as far as being able to put the ball on the floor off the dribble. Um, and it's, I, I hate saying this because sometimes it, it sounds crazy, but sometimes when you throw out a comparison, you have to name like a big name so it gives people a a framework to go after. Hey man, I, I just listed off Pablo Prigioni for Spagnolo. So I, I, I don't play by those rules over here, my friend. You you say whatever well, you want to but, say. See, but, but see, that's where it gets tricky because if you say Pablo Prigioni, there's somebody that's gonna be like, Oh, he's not that good. It's almost like it's people take it as disrespect if you don't compare a player to like a Hall of Famer, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like exactly. a high level all-star type player but with with okiki again he's not Giannis. i'm not saying he's Giannis, but 
from the aspect of this 6'10 guy. I mean, he's, he's nowhere near the explosive athlete Giannis is, but he shows flashes of being someone that can get a rebound, take it to the length of the court, and if he doesn't have, like, the greatest first step, he can, like, kind of turn his – like, for example, I, I guess what I'm trying to say. If he has a slower big on him, then he can take the big off the dribble because he has a decent enough handle. He's comfortable doing that. But if you put like a a wing on him, he has enough handle, but it turns into like a strength play where he's not blowing by you, but he's just like driving through you. And he, he has that. And he's only like 17 years old. And you know, when I did the video on him, uh, I it was crazy. Mike Schmitz went out there like a week later and I ended up running into Mike. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, thank you for, you know, I guess it kind of, it helped me out in a sense because draft express is so respected. And so when I throw a name out and people are like, who is this guy? And then draft express or ESPN goes to visit him. Then it's like, Oh wow. Raphael might, might've been onto something, but he is an intriguing prospect. Like I said, he's six ten, can handle the ball a little bit. Has good touch, mostly in the mid-range right now. Not really a three-point shooter, but he is a a good enough ball handler where he's comfortable putting the ball on the ground to beat slower bigs off the dribble. And it can turn into like a, he can kind of post his way and and drive past wings or drive through wings. He's not as explosive as Giannis, not, you know, the, the passer, nobody else can dribble two dribbles and turn a rebound into a fast break <laughs> like Giannis can. But I would have to say that if you probably had to put them together at the same stages, I would say this kid is more advanced than Giannis at the same stage in, in, in their careers. But he just doesn't have the same, like I said, athleticism and physical tools. And I mean, what really makes Giannis is just his mindset and his work ethic. But I think this kid has the potential to really be something special. And, uh, but he's a guy that I could see like a really secure general manager selecting, you know, like, you know, Miami or San Antonio or Toronto or Oklahoma city. I think that's the type of program he would be in. He would, those are the type of teams that I think would draft him because there's only a few what I've learned, and, I, and I've heard this from you know, whether it's scouts or agents. There's only a few teams that would draft a guy that is not on draft boards. And believe it or not, like between you and all the guys at No Ceilings and, you know, Ringer, some, these mock drafts actually impact front offices because nobody wants to draft a guy that's not on a draft board. So, um, but I just think that a lot of people have heard of him, but he is my sleeper. He's, it's a great name. I, I, I saw that you do have the video up in your channel. I haven't watched the video yet, but now it's something I, I definitely need to do as well as the rest of my audience. And I can't wait for more video content on him as well as guys like him as you're quite literally out finding the next gems in, in the scouting world. I know that Chad has said that multiple times on his podcast about you, Raphael, but you're, you're, you're doing the Lord's work out here when, when it comes to scouting, because you're, you're bringing names like his into the conversation for us to dig deeper on and, and help to, to give somebody like him 
more publicity, which is an aspect of scouting that, that I love being able to help bring attention to somebody else who deserves it and help somebody else get an opportunity. That's, that's something I wrote about this, this past week for no ceilings. And that's, that's an aspect I really love about doing this. So my last question for you, I bring you on here. I feel bad about it. Sometimes I know that the international scouting game is your bread and butter, like I've said, but I feel bad that I sometimes don't ask you about any domestic prospects over here that are playing in, in college right now, wherever the case may be. So are, are there one or two players over here right now who you don't feel have gotten enough attention in the same way and who are rising up your board quickly and, and, and you really think that they're going to be major risers as the process goes on? Um, I talked about Ryan Rollins on the last um, video I did with Chad. I put him at number 30 on my, on my uh, mock draft. He's a, a sleeper that I've actually had a chance to watch live. It was a preseason game. I was in Detroit, and a friend of mine was like, hey, let's, let's take a ride down to Toledo and, and, and watch this kid play. And I, I watched him, and I was like, man, <laughs> like this kid <laughs> is pretty good. And then I just saw that Mike Schmitz went to go watch him play on either yesterday or Saturday. So, again, that was kind of like, okay, maybe, I, maybe I'm on to something here. I think he's a, you know, a sleeper prospect. He's young. He's definitely young for his class. He's 19 as a sophomore, so he's younger than some of the one-and-done prospects. Scores on three levels, and, and the college level, uh, you may say it's the MAC, but, I mean, we're talking about a guy that's athletic, that can shoot the pull-up, get to the rim, capable shooter from three, late bloomer, so um, he's trending in the right direction. So I like Ryan Rollins. Like Jalen Williams from Arkansas, I, I, I really, uh, he has he has really come up in the scene. Absolutely, yeah. I, I was kind of late to the party on him. Um, again, he's like what is he like six ten? He's fluid. I think that he has pick and pop potential. I think that he has an upside as a passer. And my my knock on him is that he's just too unselfish. Like he he'll make these plays that make you think like okay. I need to put him as a first rounder on my board. And then you look and you say, oh, man, he only took four shots. Or he just, <laughs> he, he's not aggressive enough. But I like him a lot. I think that he's someone that teams should really take a look at. Um, uh, let's see, who else? Um, Isaiah Mosley. <laughs> he, he's fun to watch. You know, he's big numbers. I think he's at, I think, I was going to say Southeast Missouri State, but he's at Missouri State. Missouri State, yep. He is, I mean, you talk about a shot maker and shot creator. I mean, just dancey with the ball. I mean, like, once he gets you on that isolation, that island, I mean, you don't know what he's going to do. has this crazy floater game. On one hand, I mean, he's such a dynamic on-the-ball scorer that you wonder, like, okay, who's going to give him that freedom in the NBA? But last I checked, he was shooting over 40% from three on a decent amount of attempts. So I think that he has a chance to um, maybe a Will Barton type role. But mm-hmm. I, I like him a lot. Um, uh, let me think. Is there anybody else that – that um, I don't think there's anybody else. There's one more international prospect. And you know what I yes. have to do to research? Tell me about him. I, don't know if he's actually in the draft. I think that he put himself in the draft in 2020 and he backed out. And I don't know how it works. If you put your name in, 
does that mean that you're automatically in the next year? I I want to say I read that somewhere, but I think you are you are automatically eligible if your name was already entered into one draft. You're you're auto eligible for for consecutive drafts. Okay, so I, then maybe he's not draft eligible, but it's a kid, Marek Blazovic. He plays. Uh, he's from Lithuania. And he plays for Zalgiris. The first time I saw him, I went to a Zalgiris Barcelona game. And I, I, he just had the size. I mean, he was young. He was kind of bouncy, broad shoulders, long arms. And I looked. I said, okay, you know, he looks like – and he looked young in the face. And I thought, like, I mean, he looks like he has the physical tools. Then um, didn't really do much that game. And then I started just kind of watching his film. And then I, I went to Istanbul, and I watched him play against Fenerbahce. And I just noticed, like, he was a really good passer. And so – I, I think that he has a chance simply because you don't really see 6'11", 7-foot guys. Maybe he's 6'10", with his feel as a passer. I mean, he finds cutters. He throws skip passes. Uh, he's like, um, I don't know. I mean, I could see him in a role in the NBA. It's kind of like maybe an energy guy that you can give the ball to at the top of the key, and he'll – a short roll passer, but he's someone that's pretty intriguing to me. I think he's only 20 years old, so he still has some upside there. Well, that was five names. Some of them I've heard of. Some of them I, I definitely haven't heard of, but that's one of the things that Raphael does best. It's really funny. When when you wrote about when, – when you put Rollins at 30 on your mock and you talked about your reasoning why you did that with Chad on his podcast, I was like – all right, so I already knew that Simon, Simon Rathhawks drafter, was in on Ryan Rollins earlier in the year, and I kind of tucked him away like at some point I'm going to get to him on my study list. And now I see that you put him at 30 on a mock. And when, when one or you, you two are both the best at bringing names to my attention who I have not heard of before, and it's like when one of you brings a name to the surface, I'm like, all right, I'm going to put him on a list. I'm, I'm going to get to study him at some point. When both of you talk about him at virtually the same time, I'm like, all right, fine. Let, 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 let me get to studying this guy. Let me see if I can, if I can write about him or, or talk about him on a podcast or something. So he is, he is on my list to study this week. I will hopefully have words about him on the No Ceiling Substack next week. If not, I will try and squeeze him into an upcoming podcast over the next week or two. So definitely thank you for bringing him to my attention as well as everybody else's attention. Um, you do, you do great work as always, Raphael. Seriously, seriously. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast and chopping up. No problem. I, have, up with I, have, me. I have a question for you, for you guys. Oh, please. How, how, how did this no ceilings team come together? It's like you guys are an army. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and you know, like, I know it's a friendly competition, right? So on one hand, I you know I look at the stuff that Corey does, and I'm like, dang, I got to step up my creativity on the video. And then I'll have someone that I want to write an article on, and I'll put it to the back, and then I'm like, dang, somebody on those ceilings just came out. Like, guys are literally like like in an army. So, you know, me and Chad had to form up, and, and you know, <laughs> to compete <laughs> You guys. So, so how did you guys come together? It's it's really funny how we started. So Tyler Rucker, aka Mr. Backcourt Violation, who that 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 account is is its own can of worms at this point. But Tyler Rucker, 
um, reached out to Corey Tulliba, who is NBA draft dude, and they talked about possibly teaming up and and forming a collective because generally that's that that's how it is a lot of the time these days, right? Like you, you're either you're either tremendous at what you do individually, or you join up with, with somebody else or another team or something like that to ultimately help yourself get more exposure and, and continue to put your work out there. So they talked about teaming up, and then Corey naturally works with Albert on the Draft Act podcast, so he was a reach out, and then Corey reached out to to me, and Rucker reached out to, to Tyler Metcalf, and it, we, we, the shame, the word of mouth just kind of kept spreading in, in terms of like people who we we've kind of been working with each other for a little bit, hopping on each other's podcasts here and there, but we never worked with each other in a writing space. And we came together with the idea to form a Substack newsletter to just kind of allow us to, to write about different players and different prospects and different things going on each week. And when we put the team together, we all realized that like we're all doing podcasts. So we need to make sure that we have all of our podcasts linked together under the No Ceilings family. And then, of course, you got you to get the YouTube channel going, which that's primarily been Tyler and Corey that have done a lot of that on that side. And you mentioned Corey and his creativity, Raphael. I tell Corey all the time. I'm like, dude, I can't come up with half the shit that you do. You are incredible with some of the ideas that you come up with from a creativity standpoint. That's why he is the league dog from that perspective. And and then Rucker is obviously the, the the troll on Twitter who just knows how to post every single meme imaginable. But that's that's really how the team came together. But we kind of had the idea of if we're going to come together and do something like this, we're going to do it right. And we're going to be coming – Guns firing every single Monday through Friday. We're going to make sure we have something put out. If it's a double post or sometimes a triple post day where I can't even keep up with sharing all the content, like that's great. But we want to just make sure Monday through Friday we have one base covered. And in terms of my column, we, we kind of said to ourselves, there needs to be some kind of column on the Substack to where we're sort of recapping some top storylines that have been happening from the previous week or the previous few weeks get the audience set for, you know, upcoming games that are coming up with important prospects and, and top games. And I kind of took over this morning dunk space where I put together my, my Peter King-esque Monday morning quarterback column where I try and I try and cover as many storylines and highlight as many players as I possibly can in that column. But it's it, it's been a lot of hard work. It's It's been dedication and not one of us could have done this without the other person. This is quite literally a full stack team. My editor, Kevin, uh, my producer, Kevin, absolutely included in that team. And it, it's, it's been all of us really coming together and, and helping to form that army to make sure that we're pumping out as much quality content as we can. It's, it's as you know, as you know, more than, more than us, it's, it, it's a grind, man. So I, I appreciate you asking that question and, and, and calling that out on, on the podcast. But yeah, no, I, I've always wanted to know, and maybe even some of the listeners didn't know like the whole background behind it. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the work that you guys have done. It's kind of put pressure on me in a sense because <laughs> I, I see it as like, a, again, a, a, a friendly, friendly competition. And it's, but it's, you guys are just coming with just different waves of people. I'm like, man, are you guys going to recruit <laughs> any, any, any more guys? But no, I mean, we, we all have I imagine we all have the same the same goals and and uh you know what's the saying like iron sharpens iron and so um you guys have definitely made me I want to step my game up and and you know just try to make sure that I'm not duplicating the same content which you know 
for the most part, I mean, we're we're all going to overlap each other. It's the draft you know, space, always, man. Yeah. <laughs> There's always so um, many ways you can skin a cat. Yep. So no, I just appreciate what what you guys have have uh, have going, and I mean, just the the team that you you, you put together, and I wish you guys the 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 best of luck. And uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm it's 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 friendly competition, and <laughs> you guys just make it hard because. It's so much content coming out. And even now for me with Chad, I'm going to do a newsletter. I have to write uh, three times a week. So it's every day that I'm coming out with content. I got my podcast on um, locked on every Monday and Thursday. And then Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday, I'm doing content with uh, NBA Big Board. So my hands are full. And um, <laughs> But again, I, I, I think that you guys kind of uh, played a role in, in um, helping me get to NBA Big Board. So thank you. No, it's, it's, I don't know if there, there's any thanks that need to be given to us, my friend. You are, you are certainly one, one of the legends in this space, at, at least in, in my eyes. You, you certainly are. You've, you've inspired all of us to, to step up our games in turn. You mentioned friendly competition. I mean, I see you preseason pumping out so many different videos on, on your YouTube channel. And then you started to, to dabble in writing and now you're over with Chad and you're pumping out content. Most notably, I just read your most recent piece um, highlighting Jabari Smith as, as a prime candidate for the number one overall pick. And I thought it was tremendous ribbon work. I can't wait to see some of the things that you continue to write um, with Chad over on NBAPigboard.com. I'm a paying subscriber. If anybody out there isn't a paying subscriber to Chad and Raphael over at NBABigboard.com. Please go and do it. I've said this so many times on my podcast, and we've outlined it. This process is not just about watching film and breaking down guys, but it's also about intel. It's about getting to know the right connections, getting to know players and prospects. And there is nobody better at gathering intel than Chad, and there is nobody better at making sure that they see certain prospects in person than Raphael. So you absolutely need to be subscribed over there. And to anyone listening to this podcast, first of all, thank you to listening to this episode of the Draft Deeper podcast. If you aren't subscribed, please go do so wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. If you aren't subscribed to No Ceilings, we finally updated the, U- the URL tab. Tyler made sure he did that to noceilingsmba.com. I don't have to read off noceilings.substack.com anymore. So noceilingsmba.com is where you can find us. Again, pumping out content Monday through Friday every week on the NBA Draft. Make sure you're subscribed over there. And stay tuned for what we have coming on this podcast. And stay tuned to everything that Chad and Raphael are cooking up over there as well. We are so close to tournament time. It's about to be pure chaos and madness. And as Raphael knows, that April through June stretch is going to be one hell of a grind between my day job and doing all this. I'm not going to be sleeping much probably, but that that's the name of the game, my friend. That's that's how this goes. So thank you all again for listening to this episode. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day.